In this episode of 92i Talks, the cast of Netflix's update of Queer Eye, including Bobby Burke, Karamo Brown, Tan France, Anthony Porowski, and Jonathan Van Ness, sit down with them and Teen Vogue's Philip Picardi for an inside look at a smart, funny, and surprisingly moving second season. The conversation was recorded on June 19, 2018, in front of a live audience at New York's 92nd Street Y. Happy Pride, New York City! Listen, I have uh, some breaking news that um, I am actually going to be the new member of the Fab Five. <laughs> honorary. <I'm, laughs> yes, honorary member. I'm filling in for the moment for Tan, who's arriving, of course, as the style guy, fashionably late. So he will be with us very shortly. But since we are here in New York uh, during Pride Week, I want to know what you guys have planned for your Pride festivities. Oh. I'm planning on hitting the clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Celebrate. I'm, I am actually performing wedding ceremonies on a float in the parade. Whoa. What? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So I, am or, I am an ordained minister now. Congratulations. <laughs> Karamo, aren't you newly engaged? I am newly engaged. <laughs> Thank you. The ring. <laughs> So are you going to be getting married on the float? I am not. <laughs> I am way fancier than that. Um, um, the shade. The shade. It was a little. I'm sorry. They're amazing. We're so excited. I'm for sorry. The pride, and pride is going to be so I great. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jonathan, what are you doing? Other than wearing these fabulous bet months. Oh, these? <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's your answer. Love you guys, that's what I'm doing. Perfect, <laughs> perfect, that's great. Anthony, what about you? I don't have plans yet. Uh, <laughs> come on, you're gonna, you I live know. here, don't you? I like to wing it on Saturdays and Sundays. I don't like to put too much pressure on myself and kind of see where I'm at. <laughs> that is the most Anthony answer ever. <laughs> so you guys, congratulations on the launch of season two. Who Thank watched? you. I have been uh, nerdishly kind of reading about you guys over the past week in preparation for today. And I think one of the things I'm shocked about is reading about the past show and the past iteration of the show and the impact that this show and what you guys have made this show into has had on clearly so many people all over the country. Did you guys, when you were signing on to this project, did you have any idea that this was going to be the reception. Anyway. I, God. Honestly, I really thought it was like the way Full House, Fuller House was kind of, <laughs> no, I'm serious. No shade to the show, but it was, it's that an, it's, it's an <laughs> um, I really thought it was gonna be like an homage to the original iteration, but I think it became very clear to all of us a couple of weeks in how, that we were really part of something special. Can I tell you how happy I am that he just threw shade too? So there's two of us <laughs> that's throwing shade. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Anthony. Um, <laughs> But he didn't mean it. <laughs> I think you should leave like Kimmy Gibbler alone. Okay. <laughs> like, like, I'm Canadian. We don't do shade. She's minding her own business, right? I know. Um, 
Yeah. So. No, not a, we didn't know. We literally were all shocked and surprised. We knew that we wanted to do our best and we wanted to be our authentic selves. And every time we had pressures from the outside coming to us and saying, you got to be like the original Fat Five, we all would get together on the rooftop of our apartment building and we would be watching RuPaul's Drag Race. And we'd be like, <laughs> we would. And we'd be like, nope, we're just going to continue to be ourselves. We're not trying to imitate them. They created an amazing path, but we're walking that path in our own shoes. Mm. Amen. Before we move on, you brought up Drag Race, so I have to ask, who do you guys think is gonna win season 10? Uh, I'm, well, is there like security for after we leave? I know, right? <laughs> it can get so serious, it can get so heated so quick. I think the top four is absolutely amazing. Yes, the top four is great. They're absolutely amazing. For me, <laughs> poor me, uh, it is, I think I'm all about Aquaria and Eureka, honey. I just, yeah. for those two, right now it's like this, and I just feel like whoever's gonna be in that finale, I don't know. I disagree. <laughs> really? It's yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Are you it's okay. Asia. I'm Asia. All right. And also, Asia, she's she killing it. Because she's thing. been beautiful, she's been diplomatic, she has her been. Her answers on everything that Rue asked her were just so. Perfect. On point, on point. That, right. that dandelion situation. Yes. Yes. Honey, that was if we ever get a season three or four, do not be surprised if I come out in that. <laughs> like, there, there is a lampshade at Ikea just like it. I'll make it for you. Thank you. <laughs> Teamwork. Um, one of the things that actually I love about you guys is how close you all are, right? And this all this like ball of energy when all of them came backstage. And I was reading that you guys had to do chemistry readings together like in pre-production, right? Before you guys were officially cast. Is that right? Yeah. And what does that look like? So what they would do is they would bring, it ended up being like 40 something guys, even though Karamo says 100, it was 40. It went yeah. up. <laughs> right, it felt like, I saw 100 it people. It felt like 100. <laughs> um, so they would rotate five of us in and out, five in each category, and just kind of see who got along. And from the very first hour of casting, um, Tan and Karamo and I had locked arms, and then through midday, all five of us had, and it just lucked out that we all happened to be from one category, or each category. And I think Netflix and Scout and ITV really saw the natural chemistry that we had. And as the day went on, fewer, because they'd rotate people in and out, one less would start coming out. And then I was in there, Karama was in there, Tam was in there, Jonathan was in there, Anthony was in there. And then all of a sudden, what, an hour and a half later, we realized we were the only ones left. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you guys were really like, you guys were actually drawn to each other right from the jump. Yeah. It sounds like. Um. Um. And here's our third piece of shade. Um, no, I mean, honestly, I think that we were. I think for me, I, no, I mean. No, I mean, look, I, no, like, no, let me just say, you know, for me, I was, um, this was not my first audition. I had done Game of Thrones for years. I was really hoping to find the thing that was, you know, going to be the thing that was going to take my career to the next place. She was an independent woman. She couldn't attach herself. Well, no, I know not. A, no, that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say was is that I had been looking for something that was going to mean this to me and to have this opportunity handed um, to me to be a part of a franchise that was something that I was so in love with and was such a beacon of light for me when I was a kid growing up in the middle of America. And so um, I was so focused on that. I honestly, like, I... I knew what was at stake, and so it was extremely stressful. I like to say that it was like cheer tryouts on crack. Um, <laughs> like, it was, it was so, and you know, I was a college cheerleader, honey, so that's saying something. 
And um, yeah, so I was just really, really focused. And I think that the chemistry was palpable, but in my baby brain, I was like, I, I, I was really ashamed because I felt like I was like a broken America's Next Top Model, like top two record episode. <laughs> I was like, I want this so bad, and if I don't get it, like, what's gonna happen? I'm just a contestant, and there's not enough Taco Bell if I don't get it to make me feel better. So it was, yeah, it was really stressful. But I <laughs> Well, that's good. I mean, the show has had such a major cultural uh, and kind of political almost impact, of course. And I, Bobby, you recently gave, you guys all were giving an interview to The Hollywood Reporter, and Bobby, you said that the initial intention of this reboot was not for it to have, I guess, such like a societal commentary. And your, your direct quote was, when we got in there and we realized there are so many polarizing topics right now, far left and far right, and we had the opportunity to really bring people together, I think it humanized us in a world right now where we all don't think of each other as humans. So it sounds like... Really well said. Thank you. <laughs> I know. It's a beautiful quote. So unlike me. Yeah. <laughs> it, sounds to, it sounds to me from that interview and the way you guys were all talking about it that this was a decision that you guys made as a band of five that you were then communicating back to the producers. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I don't, not, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I love something that says about this a lot. Like, we never, like, check our identities at the door. I'm, like, literally stealing an exact same thing that he says. I love that about, that you've said that, and that's very true. I mean, from the very first episode, it was like, that we, you know, that we shot, it was very clear that we were going to be talking about, like, things that we talk about. And if you spent, like, five minutes with me, you would know that I'm, we're talking about yeah. all sorts of stuff. I mean, I think with Tom, because he was our first episode, like, we were talking about, like, lupus, you know, uh, and the effects that sun and, and nightshade mm -hmm. plants have on it, but on an episode when you find out that it's a cop, I, you're gonna be having very different conversations because we are all gonna bring our life experiences into the conversation, so we never really had to communicate that we're gonna do this like such a different way because we kind of were always trying to find our own way. But it also happened organically as well, like when you guys were in the car with Tom and he mentioned like who's the man and who's the woman, like when you're in a long car ride and you're living like outside of a suburb, like conversations are gonna be had. They happen in an organic way. Sometimes they didn't have to be forced. Yeah, you know, it's, it's again, it's not something we went in prepared to do. Um, we went in thinking that the show was, was probably gonna be. I was prepared. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> he's always prepared. <laughs> we yeah, went aired in the ground, honey. I did. We went in thinking that the show was going to be just like it was originally. But when those opportunities presented themselves to go deeper, to have those conversations that we really knew needed to be had, we didn't shy away from it. We didn't back down from it. I will say that um, Bobby's right, but I will be honest with you, and these guys know this. I went in with the full intention for these conversations and for fully emotional, cathartic moments with people. And from day one, I was like, this is what's going to make us special. This is what's going to make the show be different. Um, would you all, did I not from day one? You did. Also, did. Okay, okay, good, okay, I'm like, because y'all are looking at me like, what? He did. Um, He's not and, lying. Yeah, and so for me, I, I, I just, I, it's 2018, and where we are as a country, we were divided. One of the taglines that they sold us on to come to the audition was turning red states pink. So my mindset was already in the, it was. One makeover at a time. One makeover yeah. at a time, turning red states pink. And so my mindset was already like, oh, we're going in here. We're going to be politically charged. We're going to end toxic masculinity. We are going to get in here and fight, fight, fight. Yeah. Honey, here I was. I was like, I'm just going to do a few haircuts. Okay. <laughs> decorate. And I have to say, season two is off to a really amazing uh, initial kind of reception. Miss Tammy really steals the oh. show. Yeah. Right. Can you just talk about her for a second, honey? Yeah. Let's give a moment for Tammy. Now, let me, yeah. now yeah. let me just observe the double-edged-sided coin of what I'm about to explore right now. I get that Instagram is 
you know, validation and its numbers and its social, and that's not where our heart and our souls really should be or where they're going. I agree. <laughs> However, <laughs> that social media glow up that Mama Tammy had, honey, in four days. Can we talk about the, in fact, can we all follow her right now, honey? If you're not following her on Instagram, she is on Instagram. Okay. It is Mama Tammy. Everyone take out your phone. Last time I checked, she was like pushing 12K, honey, in like yeah. three days. What is her handle? Mama Tammy. Mama, Mama Tammy, Tammy honey, T-A-M-M-Y-E, Mama Tammy. I am yeah, like yeah. pushing that gram. It is good. It is great, okay. honey. <laughs> I am living for this content. Yes. And that is just a social media glow that I can get behind. Yes, totally. And that was the first woman that has received a makeover on Queer Eye, correct? Yeah. From yes. the reboot, yeah. In our reboot, this is true. But actually, I think that sometimes people forget that the original Queer Eye for the straight guy had a moment where they did do late. They did do it, yeah. But it was in the dark ages, honey. Bush was still the president. We don't have time to think back that far. <laughs> I don't know. And we got too much to deal with right now. And they now. had a gay guy even, as well. Yeah. Yep. They, yeah, they, yeah. They were doing the Aren't most. we a bit in the dark ages still a little yeah, bit? No, that's yeah. what I mean. We're right back in. Right. right, right no, back we're back in. in. Oh, she's the pendulum the days when Bush was in office. <laughs> what did you guys think about doing a woman and having that be the that kind of entry <laughs> We were I don't, doing your, yeah. Let's, I have never done a lady. I'll never do a lady. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Got it. Uh -huh. Also, well, it, it, was important, it was important to all of us from the beginning. Before we knew that we were going to have a female hero, we all collectively got together again while watching RuPaul Drag Race and were very clear about the fact that we wanted to explore outside of just men. Mm. And so the first conversation we had with producers, they were like, well, we're going to find a gay man. And then it was, oh, we found um, a trans man. And then it was, we have a woman for you. Um, ironically, Tammy was actually the last episode we ever shot. Um, it just came in the beginning of the season. Ah. So, so, you know, we were pushing that. And if we are blessed to have more seasons, we have already talked. We want to continue this. Like, we want to start working with people who have disabilities. We want to work with, yep, give it up. Like, I mean, the thing is that we are all human beings who all need a little love and support and to feel seen. And that's what the show can do. So why would we limit it just to men or just to women? We should all feel that. I think but, that's, oh God, I'm sorry. sorry. Even with Tammy, like she was special. She was the anomaly because we went in there and yes, we did have a plan, but she ran that episode. Oh yeah, she ran More it. More than our executive producers. Her like, name is Mama Tammy, she yeah. ran it. Um, yes, that is, yes, love you. I'm, I hate when, I talk, I'm when we start to talk at the same time, so I'm like, oh my God, you go, I love you. I love you. you. <laughs> um, but I think that's one thing about this, about this Queer Eye is that in the first one, um, we just, it was like amazing, it was doing the most, but like this show in name is the same and in format the same, but I think that the focus on this show is so much more about the connection than it is about like the makeover necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's really a show where like we're connecting with people. And so I think that you don't need that, the um, friction of like gay meets straight. I think it's more just like people meeting people. People, people right. meeting yeah. people. Right. We, like, we're using our crafts as a tool to connect to them emotionally and way down the line, we just have to be gay. Yeah, well. Well. Spoiler <laughs> <laughs> alert, honey. Um, but yes. Yes. And as, as Cromo alluded to, this is also uh, the first season that has uh, made over a trans man. Yes. <laughs> Give it up for Skylar. What were you guys thinking when you got the brief of the character? Actually, the hero? I gotta say, his social media is lit too. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I follow him too. If you go on my social and just go into following and just type in Skyler, Skyler. you'll find him. Because his, like, his, his is not coming to my. Um, Trans.ginger, I think. Trans.ginger. It's really good. Like but, but their glow ups are both really good. I love that both their content is killing it. Uh, 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 um, but anyway, but yes, that, back to the question. For me personally, that was. <laughs> 
Skylar, I think, was the most intimidating going in because I felt like, and I'm not going to speak for Tan, but I wish that he were here because he had such an incredible scene um, with Skylar that I learned so much from. I was intimidated because I had so little knowledge and I felt super ignorant. So I wanted to go in there and be like really precious and like learn about what it is to be trans, and I thought I was gonna go in there being preachy, and what I realized was like, no, he's a guy who wants to date, and a lot of it didn't make it to, a lot of scenes don't make it to the episode, we all have field trips, and sometimes they get cut out, but like I took him to a sushi restaurant, and we just talked about like, what general dating rules are, and he just had a lot of questions about that. So by just like simplifying it, and like really tending to what his needs were, um, he actually kind of took care of me in that, which I thought was really incredible. Oh, that's really beautiful. Yeah. So sweet and cute. I, I I love the food scenes that you do because I think there's something really powerful metaphorically to be said about breaking bread with someone, especially when you're sitting across the table from, to your earlier point, right, someone who's a cop or someone who you know is probably a card-carrying Republican or an NRA member, right? Mm -hmm. And there's something that is transformational about having the opportunity to, to eat with them. And so much of that comes out in your work in the show. Thank you. I mean, I think, like... Everyone has to fucking eat. And, <laughs> and then, like, and I, like, for me, like, being raised in a, in a pretty dysfunctional home, like, the moment that I had with my sisters and my parents growing up, like, the one time where we all really got along was when we had incredible meals together, from, like, breakfasts to dinners. It's where we would all just either shut up and, like, rejoice in this feast that was, like, right in front of us, or just like had happy moments. So for me, there's always been a really strong attachment to that and that's sort of, just as you're mentioning it, where it's like not necessarily about what each of our verticals are, but sort of like that connection that we have and how they sort of tie in. And I was reading about your culinary journey because I think a lot of people see the fully realized beautiful Antony on screen, but I was reading a little bit about your journey and you were basically like trying to make it in acting and working in food service for a number of years. I was a busboy, a waiter, a manager, a sommelier, like all of it from um, a family-run Polish restaurant with like grandmas in the basement hand-making pierogies <laughs> to like working at Bond Street um, for a while. Like I've done it all and so I have experience more on the front of house side of things, uh, but I've always had like a strong reverence and a respect for, um, for chefs. I just thought of um, Bourdain. But um, they've always been sort of like my rock stars. Um, and I've just always had a lot of respect for them. So for me, like, I don't know. I've always felt like it was always sort of on the outside. And like I, for whatever reason, I also like to perform. So I think that's why I like being a waiter. And I was a pretty damn good waiter. <laughs> uh, and so, like, that's why, for me, it was, you know, when you're a student, it's really hard. It's, like, tough work. It's really long hours. Mm -hmm. But, like, to put myself through university and while I was working and trying to, like, aspire for other things, it was actually kind of perfect the way that it worked out. Because even during chemistry testing, they were asking me, like, how has food been part of your life? And I realized that, like, it's been this constant that's always been there in some way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. whether it's privately cooking for my family and loved ones and friends to, to working in a professional capacity. Like, it's always been there. Can I tell you guys a story about him? Yes, please. <laughs> no, this is really cute. You'll love this. You'll I hope so. <laughs> okay, so when we were in chemistry audition, um, like when we were in this room and we were like going back and forth, um, there was this other person that was there for food and he was talking and I was like, that's great because you know, I was like really like single eye focused. I was like, say whatever you want. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting this job right now. Focus it. Um, and so then Anthony comes in, and, and I can't remember exactly the question, but he, it was the first time that I remember like hearing him really talk about food. And the same year, honey, at the SAG Awards, Stranger Things won something for something, and the director gave this really impassioned speech. <laughs> and 
And who's the who's the actress that I always when I tell Emily Brown? Nope, 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 nope. Winona nope. Ryder. Yes, the one who was like yes. Yes. So I always, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, I always I always say Ashley Judd, but I mean Winona Ryder. Yeah. I really don't want to mess it up right now. Same so species. that's yeah. yeah. So, but remember when she was like she was like. <laughs> and so he starts talking about Putin. I turn into. Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. Yes. <laughs> and um, so I'm like, <laughs> like, I want all that food. And so then, in my head, I was like, should I make a Netflix joke at a Netflix audition? Like, in my head. And so, because like, I realized after like, the fourth sentence of your food explanation that I was like, making a full scene. And then, because he was like so talented, and like I was like, I just like want to eat everything that you know about, because I was like his like food knowledge and like the way he talks about food was like literally incredible, and I've never heard someone talk about food like that in my life. Except cilantro. Well, except cilantro. But no, I mean the way that you talk about your craft is so like, I mean I can be so focused on something and like the job of my life, and then you open your mouth and say three words about something about what you're passionate about, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and that wasn't, and, that, and we had been in a room with lots of different people, and like I didn't have that reaction with anyone. And so you are, when you talk about food and when you talk about the way that you connect with people through talking about food, it is like very universal. Like it is such a universal language that you have with people with food. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate, I hate to embarrass you even more, but now that those dreams are in the way that you talk about food is becoming even more fully realized because I just read you just inked a book deal. Is that right? So you have a cookbook coming? It's a 100 recipe cookbook. Oh, wow. Um, I think not one of, oh my God, not one of them has avocados in it. No way! I had an avocado joke teed up just for that moment. Well, I ruined that for you. You totally I? did. <laughs> um, so I have um, a, a cookbook that, you know, is turning kind of, I realize, into like my own culinary memoir, uh, which I'm super excited about. I have my, uh, my editor, I submitted 50 recipes and uh, so far, and I'm like working on completing them, and I'm like super excited for it to come out. Wow. And that's not all, right? Don't you have a little bit of news you want to share with us? Um, so I'm going to be, I, I'm not supposed to talk about it, but uh, oh well. we'll keep it really general. Um, I'm really excited. Um, are, wait, are we, wait, are you like, just really quick, conference, are you sure? <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, if you're, yeah, like, if you're not supposed to, like, it's okay. It. It's fine. Uh, just I'm got his back, you guys. I see how that works. Uh, it's like, <laughs> proceed. I'm all about, like, cheese and pork belly and, like, the decadence of food, but also um, sort of uh, as, as a result of, like, the increased vanity of being on camera all the time and working out and eating healthy, I'm developing, like, a fast, casual uh, food concept restaurant that I'm going to be opening. Here in New York. You're all invited. We'll get you black cards and you can just, like, order Like Nando. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank that you. is so, so, so exciting. Thank you. So, Jonathan, when's the beauty line? I'm more like, I'm more like, I'm more like a jungle cat with my news. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you gotta, like, keep waiting. And just... But, you know, it's interesting. I'm like, I'm, I really want to get into the beauty space. I, th I think that um, the beauty industry, some things that I, um, am concerned about and am interested in are not um, overtly sexy to sell. Like one thing that Bobby's really inspired by is he like really wants to work, you're an environmentalist and he's, I'm, I'm really worried about creating um, 
with sustainability and, and where to get products from and, and where we get them and where we source them and how we source them. I went to school at Aveda and that was like really near and dear to my heart when I first started doing hair like 11,000 years ago. And, um, and so I think I do want to do a beauty line, but I think that the things that I would really need to ingrain into it, I, I think I need like eight more years of like research and to really know that space and to, to make the impact that I want to make there, I'm like, I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit away, but I love using products, so. Um, I and just you have amazing advice. Yeah, you know, I, I really am a student, and so I think whenever I do get into, um, I'm just adjusting my socks, but I'm sorry. Uh, but I do think that when I get into that space of like having a line, I really want, I just think I need a little bit more time to like mature into, into that, that entrepreneur that, that I would be. I just saw this video you did with Vogue, which by the way, congratulations, how major. Thank you. So great. But if you haven't seen this video, Jonathan goes around a beauty supply store and is shopping for the other guys, and it's hilarious. You're and shopping for what? us? Yes. And, Bro, and he is revealing me. all sorts you of better things. better not have uh, 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 uh. Hold on. I just started sweating. Is this the actual third shade? Yeah. What did you buy for us? Was, no. Nothing was controversial. Okay, okay good. He oh, wait, no, I did have a, oh, no, actually, I did. Now Play the clip. <laughs> there was, we did have a thing, but it's very innocent. Okay. It's not. I have a good is it with you, I just got you a bunch of hand sanitizer. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. That's no shit. That's no because shit. like, um, <laughs> well, I guess you go to the video, you'll find out. Next. Question. <laughs> no shade. You really also, wasn't no, shade. No I didn't. I don't think I realized that you do like you do their grooming like while you guys are on. I the did his. Day. I do his hair and his I highlights. did his haircuts the whole time. Okay. And I grew, yeah, I mean, we have, well, we worked with this um, amazing groomer named Marina, so she would, she would be with us, like, two of the five days, but then, so anytime we were, like, in an interview, like, we had help, like, in, that, in those, like, little Kardashian moments. Um, and then the day when they see their house for the first time, we would have someone there to help us do our touch-ups and stuff, but um, every other time, like, the, the day that you would find them, and then the day when we would be in our field trips, and, like, when I would be doing their hair, we would be doing our own stuff. I love the way that you transform people, and, I, and actually, in the, in the episode um, with Skylar, you say that you never want to impose your views on someone when you're doing a makeover. You want it to be a conversation or a negotiation. And then we're not going to say the next line. What was the next line? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember either, so don't worry. Okay, great. I actually think you said, but the facial hair's got to go, or something like that. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> but I, I especially... I know, like, cause like that one is like that was like actually one of the first like things where it, like, <laughs> it scared me. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> 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 what that just happened? Hi. Tan, uh, where the hell have you been? Thanks for coming. By the way, you all just scared the mess out of us. I'm sorry, everyone. I was like, it's too late to run. I know, I was like, we're dead. Um, but I can finally like relax. It looks, now. it looks perfect. Sorry, 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 sorry. It looks perfect. I was honestly, I could like not settle in. I was like so fidgety this whole time. Doesn't like, feel like, alive without me. Where I was like, oh god. I'm, like, we did. We were all backstage like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to the stage. Thank you so much. I'm in pride colors. Yes, you look great. Aww. So where have you been, Tan? Um, you know, hustling, working the street, like, you know <laughs> what it is. 
trying to live my life, but we look fresh as ever, so it's fine. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, you actually, we do, honey. I want to know what you look like five minutes ago. Yeah. You, you know, it's always probably like just this. like this. Just like this. <laughs> I bet you probably did look just yeah, like this. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Tim, Hi. you missed it, but we were talking about Drag Race earlier. Do you have a season 10 favorite queen? Oh, yeah. Oh, tell yeah, tell, tell, us. tell us. Give us, give us one tell name us of one, one name on Drag, on Drag Race. You know that show with one Paul on it? One name you just come up no, with. No, one name. Uh, uh, Any uh, contestant. Uh, 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 uh. I love Asia. Like... Uh, that, uh, they didn't win, and I was so. Did they win? No, we don't. They know didn't that. win. Asia, Asia and is I not was a day. So you know what? A better, a better joke to have had him would have been Banji. Miss Banji. Banji. Another joke. That would have been strong. I mean, it was strong too with, with your. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it, just for next time. Yeah, yeah. Did you boss somebody and they left already? No, I think they were like, never there. Okay. And also ill. <laughs> we're so good in here late and then all Wouldn't the shade be if that was your seat? And we were like, we've been okay, throwing shade I, all day. Yeah. <laughs> I know we have. We, also, we missed it earlier. Tim, we already like, did a whole thing about my boots. Anyway. No, no, no. I, I think it's great. They're fine. We're we're go. All right, no, no, no. Back to questions. Back to Can questions. Can I just make a point about the boots and we'll go back to this? About the boots real quick. They'd make more sense with my outfit tonight, but don't it's worry true. about it. I don't know. I think they go along with like, a t-shirt dress and, and like, a little mini... And like, I walk better in heels than he does. I'm, a, I'm joking! He's gonna be so pissed. And you're gonna see like a sprained, <laughs> ankled, gray-haired man up here. Oh! Have, him, have him wear the sock boot, honey. Wow. You called it sparkle. I know. Not when you're shading the way I walk in heel, honey. Okay. Don't come for me, honey. Right. Get in for, no, get over here. I feel like I'm about too real. Yeah. Too real. Yeah. No, just come over here. Jane, come sit with me. I can't. I don't know how to straddle. You gotta sit on me. Yeah. yeah. Just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. Ooh. I'm sorry, Tia. That felt too real. You were so far away. Don't be me. Oh, my God. You're talking, <laughs> you're talking right into my mic. No. <laughs> Okay, we got it. Uber, go. stop it. <laughs> okay, we, we got it. We're back. Wait, you're back? Crumb, yeah. Will you scoot forward a little bit, Chroma? Oh, near, I'll scoot back. Okay, all right, okay, we got it. Got there it. We go. Okay, got it. Hey, well, we can't box up, box up, Chroma. meant to be. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're I ready. I think this might be so the sorry. gayest thing that's ever happened on this stage. <laughs> nah. Lucky you guys. Nah. <laughs> Tan, we were actually, I'm so glad you're here because we were actually just talking about Skylar. Yeah. And Anthony mentioned that this episode was really pivotal for you, which we, we all got to kind of see how that, how that played out in the episode. Do you want to talk a little bit about... This is a really serious answer. He's going to yeah, go back so to his chair. We're going to be yeah. grown-ups for this answer. Um, that was fun. Okay. Back to uh, work. Uh, how it affected me, or um, yeah. just in general, the episode? I, I, it was a really tough... Uh, I'm sure these guys have all explained it, and I'll try and give you cliff notes. Um, when we plan out a scene for the show, we do it a couple of weeks in advance, and we really fight and plead with the producers to let us do what we truly feel is right. Sometimes we win that fight, sometimes we don't. Um, that week, uh, it was a really tough one, and I had to have closed-door meetings with uh, people saying, I want to show that we don't all know the struggles of people within the LGBTQ community. Sorry, LGBTQ community. Um, I, I do think it's important that people do understand that just because we're a member of this group doesn't mean we know every facet and every fight. Um, and so that felt more important to me than saying, yeah, just because I'm gay, I know everything. Uh, and we never profess to, to know everything on our show, so it just felt like a natural um, extension of what we ordinarily do. Um, meeting Skylar was uh, really powerful. He, you have seen him on the show. He's an incredible guy. 
But having that moment where not only do I get to see him in a suit for the first time, he gets to see himself in a suit for the first time, and he feels for the first time how he, he's always envisioned himself being in, in his mind, to then go straight from that, it actually did happen in this way, where we go straight from that to sat on the couch that wasn't edited a certain way. Um, and so you get a real reaction of how he now feels seeing what his life could potentially be like if he is afforded the gender markers, the, the lock, um, that will hopefully give him the life that he, find, that, that he wanted, that he finally gets to live that out. Mm. That felt really special to be a part of that. And I do love that we're on a show that is um, open-minded enough to be able to say we don't need to pretend that we are arbiters of literally everything that we can say that we want to learn to. I learned so much from that episode and it changed me as a person. Mm -hmm. So many times I think we will film an episode and we'll walk away or a scene and we'll walk away saying that wasn't, didn't just feel like TV, didn't just feel like a job. This mm -hmm. is fucking uh, formidable. Can you please give a shout out to the documentary that we watched before? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay, so we watched... Um, <laughs> I don't know if you, if you haven't seen this, please watch it if you have HBO. Um, Lena Dunham um, produced a documentary called, oh, what's it actually called? Bindle and Keep, do you remember? It's Bindle and Keep is the brand. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what it was called. I wish I did. Suited. 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 Well yeah. done. Yeah, man. Um, well done. So it was called Suited. We watched it um, a couple of weeks before the episode, and that's how I decided I wanted to really push to um, ask them to join the show, and I'm so glad they did. The work that they do is incredible. Yeah. Um, I think just as much exposure as we can give to the plight of trans men, the trans community in general, but the trans men, um, Karam has made a good point many times that um, uh, trans women are so heavily featured in the media, it's not so often that trans men are. And so I love that shows like our show and shows like Suited are really giving them more of a voice. I'll, yes, mm -hmm. and to that, just because the Holy Spirit put it on me to say a honey or mother nature, whatever you want to call, whatever you want to call them. Uh, it is, I think that trans men are underrepresented when you compare it to uh, trans women, maybe. However, the trans community in general is so Absolutely. incredibly marginalized from like, every which way it's like. <sighs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, so, and I, yeah. and I know that you know that, and yeah. I know that you weren't like for any, but I just, yeah. it's like we need, we could do 18,000 seasons of Queer Eye with only trans heroes and still not get the representation within like 18 football fields yeah. of where we need to be. Um, and I know that you weren't saying that at all, yeah. but just in general, I think that sometimes that question gets asked naturally of you, and I just see like the, I could see how someone could say that of all of us, and that's why I just, that's why I felt the need to say like, yeah. we could do like, like, I already said it, don't even say it again. And, and, not just <laughs> a, and then to add to that, not just the trans community, I mean, the fact that this is um, a somewhat niche show, the fact that we are on the show doesn't mean that this problem has been solved. Like, oh, finally, the gays are represented. No, we're not, there's five of us. Like, the, yeah. and there's millions of us out there. So yeah, we could always do with more representation. But what I am proud of, and I think is really powerful, and what I hope that you all are inspired by with the show, is we say it's time to take the narrative out of someone else's hands. And we allow our heroes to write their own stories and we just help them get to a place where they feel confident in doing that. So if you ever are in a space in your own life where you think someone else is writing your story, someone else is telling you that you should be doing this, you should be doing the exact opposite, rip that pen out of their hand. And that's what's happening with Skylar. Skylar wrote his narrative now, and now it's inspiring so many trans kids, mm -hmm. LGBT kids, our allies, to live their life authentically and full. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Unless that person wants you to do like, 
like unless it's like if the opposite's like too hardcore the other way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like do like two doors down. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like, no, I'm gonna do it this way. Let me do it the opposite. I'll just do it like this other way. Tan, you just used an interesting word that we hear a lot during Pride, right? If you like talk to marketing people or corporations, they call our community niche. Yeah. Do you can do you guys do any of you consider no. this show niche? No. no. Uh, people call us a niche show, which is really frustrating. Uh, I think our show reaches everyone. Um, we obviously the majority of the people that we're helping on this show are straight men, and they're versions of straight men that I think everybody can connect with. Tom Jackson, everyone knows a Tom Jackson. Mm -hmm. So no. Uh, People say a lot of stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's exactly because anytime you have underrepresented or marginalized communities, of course you want to say whatever they do is niche. Mm -hmm. And that's not it. You know what I mean? We are all diverse, beautiful beings, and our experiences and our, our stories are valid. And it's not niche. It's mm -hmm. not this one little thing. When people keep saying, well, do you think only gay people love your show? And I'm like, look at the beautiful people mm -hmm. of different genders and colors that are in this audience yeah. alone. Yeah. You know, yeah, give yourself a round of applause. But also, like, is it niche kind of chic? Like, is it chic? <laughs> no. Do you know when niche is not chic? Do you know when niche is not chic is when somebody pronounces it niche? I'm like, nah, no, 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 no. No. It's like, oh, sorry, we're like really funny. Also, it's fun. I can't say it with like, like all of our. You can't say it with all, us? Like, not like LGBTQIA. Like, we're also like, like, call us niche anywhere we're on the most fun. Somebody asked me earlier on today, um, they were saying, well, uh, we feel like it could be a, uh, a lot more diverse. Again, there's only five of us. There's only so much we can represent, but I do think we do a, a lovely job of representing uh, as much as physically possible um, five people can. Mm -hmm. And do, do any of you, uh, uh, the rest of you, I'm sure, get that question a lot, right? Like, it's called Queer Eye now, you know, so why aren't there women on the panel, right? Because women can be queer. Why is there no trans person on the, on the, on the cast? What do you guys think about that conversation? I'm down, like. But not I, to get rid of any of us. I really, <laughs> like, I really like my job. I like being employed. I like, yeah, I really like my job. Well, I mean, that wasn't the way that this particular like version yeah. like was like yeah. right. like not meant to be. But that just like wasn't how it was casted. If, but if it had been like, that would have been fine. However, well, I will say, and I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. So, so let, let's test it. Um, there Scared. was, I know. Uh oh, um, there was, I believe, in a show that was. Just women, right? Yeah, there was a yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. We already talked about it once. Oh, and it just didn't do. <laughs> no, talk about it Sorry, again. Sorry, and it didn't. And it didn't. Yeah. Do, I mean, it you know, wasn't as successful, know. so it makes no sense to do that again. I think that the, this format worked 15 years ago. We've just we've done uh, well, a different version of it now. We can I share think. those stories with the heroes yeah. going forward. Like yeah. that's all we can do. Here I we mean, are, and let's just make yeah. sure that and, we try to be as and, inclusive and as possible. And when people do comment on diversity, I say, okay, maybe uh, us five aren't representative of the whole world, but we are trying to bring as many other stories into every yeah. episode. So they may not be part of the, the ensemble, but every week you connect with somebody who isn't one of us. Yes. And like, I would so welcome that and think, I mean, trans women, everyone, like everyone has something to say. And for me, even though the show is called Queer Eye and there can be more like than definitions of queer than men, obviously, like it's more than just gay men. Um, like I said earlier, I feel like our show is about like human connection. It's not about like gay men connecting with like yeah. straight people or trans or women. It's like, we're just connecting, like, we're just connecting with people. And so if, yeah. I, 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 I'm gonna just say something and uh, it's, there, I'm, we can't acknowledge that as a culture. There is a, uh, there's sort of this, um, Trying to choose my words very closely. I know it's so but scary now. A, it's like, there's there's like a, oh. A, oh god. Let's let's. We are five men, 
and historically, when you're talking about forms of media, they want to see men in these positions of power. And so we all champion diversity. And we understand that we are walking into a privilege that we have. And I think it's, it's, we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. The reason that we are up here as five men is not because we don't want diversity, it's because we live in a system that values men over women. But what we try to do is... Yeah, but, what we, but what we want to do through the stories is acknowledge the fact that there is that privilege, but make sure, again, that we're saying to other people, we are not, as you said, the arbiters of everything. You are just as equal, you are just as powerful, and maybe Hollywood has not caught up yet, and maybe your community has not caught up yet, but we are going to help you to get to a place where they will catch up, because yep. we have to listen to you. That was well said. That was. And like my most amazing teachers in grooming were women. Amen. Like the people that taught me how to like cut myself out of a paper bag were all women. No, seriously, like. I want to know about that. Not a paper bag. No, I mean, honey, like when I was bleak, when I first started, I was like, I was like, there's like one haircut here, there's like one here, there's like something kind of else right here, and I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. And, and, um, but yeah. And before this, and all my businesses, I probably this you could get sued for, but everybody I had was always a woman because women get shit done. <laughs> and I guess. You know, there was a recent GLAAD poll that came out. So GLAAD does a, a partnership with the Harris poll or Harris surveys, I'm forgetting what it's called, every year. And for the first time in four years, they found that trust in LGBTQ Americans had fallen, right? So we were on this upward slope mm. for a really long time, and then we dropped. And when they dug into the data, and obviously our current political system and our administration has a lot to do with this, but when they dug into the data, they found that the people who were losing their trust the most in LGBTQ Americans were millennial men, well, which what, is so what, interesting. What, what, sorry? Can we were that? millennial men. Oh, okay. Okay. So there is this idea, and, and you know, of course, to, you know, to Jonathan's point, this is not the only queer show that should exist on television, right? And we can have representation everywhere. But isn't there validity in a show that actually is, is in, encouraging men to engage with queerness, encouraging straight men to accept queerness, right? And well, I love this counter narrative to when people ask us about if there should be more inclusivity, like as far as like the five of us. That's a really, I like that. That's <laughs> We're gonna use that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'll bring up that study and I'll be like, yes. Like that's yeah. why. We need but to, I think it's important. And actually, Kramos, so much of, of what you're doing on the show is trying to tackle toxic masculinity. And you've been very frank in interviews about how you had to overcome those demons yourself in your own journey. A hundred percent. You know, I grew up in a Caribbean household. I'm first generation American, family is Jamaican and Cuban. And the thing is, is that, I, in my household, the more masculine I could present meant that I was safe and that I could achieve whatever my brothers and cousins and whoever else could achieve. And I just remember always thinking, why do I have to present this way to feel confident? Mm -hmm. Why can't I just be who I am, whatever that means? And you know, Jonathan brought up earlier, I talk about the intersectionalities of our personalities. We have so many different parts of ourselves, but yet society says, check that at the door if you want to be successful. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have so many toxic men in the world, because they're told to, you know, to check that. There's a story that I tell, I used to play football in high school, and the first time I got hurt, uh, my coach said, don't cry, walk it off. And I was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like every bit of queen that was in me, like that I was suppressing was coming out. I was like, Karamo <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like any type of physical pain. I don't, I, at all. I nearly killed him waxing his ears. He did. <laughs> 
Like we didn't even like I had to like baby oil the wax off because he like couldn't like he wouldn't let me rip it off. Like, I can't yeah. have it. But I was walking towards the, the locker room and I remember on the track there was a young woman that was running hurdles and she got hit by a hurdle and fell. And literally that same coach that was telling me to to walk it off ran to her and was like, baby, what's wrong? Are you okay? Everyone and I was like, bitch. <laughs> Like, every bit of me was like, and those were the first reminders or the first inclinations that I had of this behavior is wrong and I have to figure out a way, whether it was on television, whether it was when I became a social worker and a psychotherapist, it was like, I have to counter this behavior in a way because we cannot have future generations still believing this is the right way to behave. So when we hear that millennial young men have distrust in, in gay men, it's because there's a resurgence of that toxic behavior because there is no representation. And that's why visibility is so important. And us five showing up and showing up proud and loud and saying we are going to be here, but yet we are also going to love you is how we're trying to combat that. Mm, that's interesting. No, I, I have to say, you've been on television for a long time. Are you about right. to date me, ho? <laughs> okay. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. You. I'm the oldest of the cast. And also, I'm like the only one that's allowed to really like make a thing about that. <laughs> like, I can make fun of that, but like, you can't really say that. <laughs> I'm joking, I know that's not what you're doing. I know that's not what you're doing. Like, I can do it. I, no, the, the only reason is because I read a lot about the real world. Yes. Right? And so Kramo was on the real world. There were some real world fans here. Yeah. <laughs> and that also made you the first openly gay black person on reality television. I was. I am. Yes. <laughs> what do you think, looking, I mean, looking back on that experience and looking back on the Kramo who was like doing the confessionals, what do you think of, of him? And Because he's such a different man than the person who's sitting here today. Oh, he was a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Well, yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was 22 years old on a reality <laughs> television program, fresh out of college, and was like, where's the booze and the men? <laughs> like, there was nothing about that experience. All I wanted to do was get in hot tubs and, you know, and I had culturally relevant. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I did. I, that was it. I went, hot tub, men. Um, but I had some moments on that show where, you know, my straight white roommates would make comments about, gay men that forced me to then have to have conversations with them. And they also made comments about race. And when I think back about how young Karamo handled that, I'm so thankful for the mentors I have in my life because they taught me that approaching hate with more hate is never gonna win the battle. Mm. And that was the biggest lesson I learned. And so as I've grown and I've matriculated through life, I've learned that listening is more important and meeting someone where they're at so that I can have a conversation with them to reach their heart. Because if you spend your time trying to reach somebody's brain, it's already set. They're not gonna have it. You reach their heart and then they're gonna change their own mind. So that is, um... I guess that brings us to uh, an interesting recent occurrence. So in a Gay Times interview uh, last year, you said, the fact that the government is against you is hard, even in America. We have a vice president who's adamant that he hates the gays and is doing everything to remove us from the history books. It is true. And you are right. So among the things that Mike Pence has supported um, during his tenure uh, in, in office, he has worked to roll back protection of trans students in bathrooms and locker rooms, halted any and all investigations of complaints filed by trans 
trans students who are banned from school restrooms. He's shielded healthcare providers who refuse to treat queer patients or people with HIV. He supported so-called religious exemptions of businesses that refuse service to queer people, thereby endorsing state-sanctioned discrimination against our community. And he used to oppose gay marriage, and he once likened himself to Noah, crying to everyone about an impending flood, that, the gay flood, I guess. And he effectively endorsed and protected so-called conversion therapy of queer youth. Thank you. <laughs> so I have to say, I was taken aback to hear that you recently met with his wife's chief of staff. Is that correct? Yes. I went to the White House about five months ago. And the reason, and one of the things you all should know about the five of us is that we have very strong opinions, and especially Jonathan and I, we are very political, and he's one of the smartest people I know, this baby right here. Um, you all know the comedy side. Let me tell you, if you haven't downloaded Just Get Curious, or I mean Get Curious, Getting Curious. Getting Curious. Getting Curious. The best podcast Getting Curious. But yes, I did go to the White House. I was working with an organization called the Creative Coalition, and it's all about uh, making sure that arts is funded in inner city schools. I'm a big advocate for art therapy. And so, yes, give it. And um, when having the opportunity to go to the White House, it was something that I jumped on. For me, as a black man, I have been told many times that I do not belong, besides being a gay man. You don't belong in this room, you're not welcome. And because of my ancestors, I've learned that it is my duty to make sure that I bang on those doors and try to get in those rooms. Does that mean that I'm going to affect change in that moment? No, but it does mean that for someone like Jonathan who fights adamantly in different spaces, my fight is going to be trying to get in those spaces and to make sure that people understand my struggle. Does this mean that I want to give any attention or support to the Pences? No, duh, <laughs> clearly. But, but at the same rate, being in that room, everyone told me, you cannot bring up being gay. You cannot bring it up. Literally, as we were walking the halls of the White House, they were like, don't bring up being gay. Can't bring up being gay. You can bring up black, but don't bring up gay. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, girl, you must not know me too well. The minute I sat down, I was like, so I used to be a social worker for LGBT youth and art therapy helped them. And immediately they were like, oh, we're bringing up gay. And the <laughs> thing is, is that for me, it's important to go into spaces that don't want to hear me. It's for me, it's important to go into spaces that adamantly fight against me so that I can try to fight within that room. Um, do I think they're going to change? No. That's why after I walked out that room, I went on social media and said to every single person in here, and there's a lot of young people in here, get out, register to vote, and make sure that you vote. Because the next election, we have to make sure that we are there and that this administration is no longer in power. Jonathan, since Karamo has kind of compared the two of you in terms of your views and how you express yourselves, um, I, I think it's interesting because you, you've said multiple times, and, and in particular, um, you said this week, in my case, we all want to look a little cuter and feel a little cuter. I don't need to know that you're a card-carrying member of the NRA. We'll leave that for a different day. Let's focus on a connected issue for now. So how are you, especially as the one who is the most effeminate, one could say, of the bunch, right? 
You know, I, I remember this scene in season one where you and Karama walked into that with a comedian, and he was doing like a little set at like this, like what was that? A line? What did they call those? Where the, oh yeah, the, a Rotary, the, American Rotary Club. Yeah, yeah. American Rotary Club. Yeah. Yes, and you were there in like full Rick Owens like gorgeousness regalia, you know? And therefore, if only it were Rick Owens. We don't have the budget for that. <laughs> He looked cute, though. Let him think Bitch. my ASOS was Rick Owens. Uh, I thought funny. it was Rick Owens. No, honey, that was first season. We didn't have budget for that. Okay. <laughs> no budget for that. That was homemade. Probably. He looked like he was. That's all that matters. Tan in there, just making it for him, cutting the shoulders out. That was good, Bobby. That was good, Bobby. Uh, anyways, I wonder what it feels like for you to be engaging with a lot of the folks that you engage with, because clearly you're saying this from experience, that you know that a lot of the people you're helping and transforming um, may not agree with you or even believe in our quality, but you want to make them beautiful at the end of the day. Well, I mean, look, where I come from, uh, people, uh, hi, um, <laughs> um, I am, like, I, I will never forget, um, my, we had this lady that came to... I just love you, I'm sorry. I love you. We had this, um, this lady that would come to our house, um, like, once every other week and, like, like clean the house. Like, it was, not, it was like, once every other week, like, calm down, I don't like, sound entitled. But, um, I will, like, leave her name out of this conversation, but she was, like, a born-again militant Christian. Like, I'm talking, like, she would wear knee pads and blast Joyce Meyer, like the televangelist, as loud as she could out of a boombox on knee pads and like, walk, like scrub the floor and just like jam out to like Joyce Meyer, Joel Osteen, like you name it, like she was about it. And so I remember when Illinois kind of beat the country uh, to the punch on gay marriage and they, they legalized gay marriage before the country did. And um, she called me and she was like, oh, I bet this is like a really good day for you. And I was like, yeah, this is a really exciting day. And she's like, well, I just wonder how long it'll be before the pedophiles and the bestialists want their equal rights too. And this is someone who, like, I have known since I was nine years old. Like, this is someone who I've spent, like, so much time with. This person has, like, taken me to school. This person has, you know, and that for me was the point in our relationship where, like, I've never been able to come back from that point in our relationship. Like, I'll see her at Christmas. But, like, before she said that, I would call her for advice. Like, I would call her, like, weak. I mean, I used, there was times coming up where, like, the faith that she had in um, Jesus and the faith that she had in her faith to deliver her from crack because literally, like, her faith delivered her from crack. And that is some hard shit to beat. Seriously, like, I, I mean, I have not personally beat crack, but, like, <laughs> but people who I know who have come in... Let's clarify, he's never been on crack, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so he, no need to beat it. But I've never had, like, a, but, but this addiction is... A, yeah. But I just mean, like, this addiction is a, incredibly hard, and, and, she used, and she used her faith to overcome that, and so, but when she said that to me, I was like, there are certain things that are, like, in your heart that, like, I can't reconcile. Like, I can't give, I can't make you look, I can't do the fringe term anymore, because I used to, like, do her roots, honey, I did her fringe, and everything. I couldn't do it anymore <laughs> for that. And, um... So, but I only say that because I'm used to being around people who, like, will look me square in the eye and, like, say some crazy stuff. Like, I've been in the same room as you for a really long time, but also, at the end of the day, I know that she's not a bad person. She doesn't have anything bad in her heart, heart. Mm -hmm. Like, this is all just stuff that she's been fed, and, like, it's actually, like, my connection and my faith with God that makes me kind of the bigger person that can, like, allow her space for that and see her, you know, and be cordial. Um, and, and, like, it's cool, but, it, like, it doesn't have to, like, move my heart, but it, it is... It is, I don't think it's um, easy, but also I don't go into those situations and like think about that. Like I'm really mm -hmm. thinking about what am I gonna do with that sideburn? What am I gonna do with that? <laughs> like so really for me, like I focus on our commonality, which is like you wanna look cuter, I want you to look cuter, let me focus on that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't wanna, I, like at least give me to like episode six to wanna never talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But I think also when you're connected with people like you, again, like you build a relationship so you don't go for, like I'm not gonna have that conversation with that person like mm -hmm. very first. And, and like actually, when like in my salon in LA, like I actually have a couple people who like, cause I am really unprofessional and I will talk about politics with my clients like by the second or third appointment cause I can't help it. Um, like when I'm like, I like, when I've said something, I'm like their shoulders are like, and I'm like, oh fuck. Like, <laughs> like who would have thought like in Brentwood, honey, like a, like a full on Republican. Uh -uh. <laughs> All right. But I like still want you to have like a good haircut and I want you to like go on a comeback. So like mm -hmm. free markets, enterprise, it's like a thing. But that's, that's, uh, uh, that's what's beautiful about each of us. And we do it in different spaces. And I think that's to go back to what I was saying with your question and why I was highlighting Jonathan. Oh yeah, what were we talking about? Is we do it, we, it's about connection. So mm -hmm. for me to go in one space, it's about trying to connect there. Mm -hmm. Will it work? I don't know, but someone has to try. He <coughs> connects in his space. Mm -hmm. He connects in his space, Tan mm -hmm. does as well. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have to have the courage to try to connect in, a, in whatever spaces that we feel comfortable enough to go into, mm -hmm. because that's when real change happens. And that's why I think people resonate with Queer Eye. And I'm gonna give him a really big thing on this really quick, really quick. This is really gorgeous. Don't hold your breath, I got you. Okay. <laughs> oh. Because um, I, too, had a hard time wrapping my big gay brain around... I saw. ...around that. You flipped out in the intro. And so I think that, for me, what, what I really admire about Cromwell, other than everything that he just said, I think that there is a perception from the extreme right, um, the Pence has included, that people on the left are not capable of coming to the center, not capable of having a conversation. We're hysterical, we're emotional, we're, we're not capable of just having a direct conversation. And so I don't... So that's not for me to decide, like, you know, how she feels about it, but to the people that are on the right and the extreme right, to see someone like Karamo going to have that conversation, I, my hope is, is that you're moving that tally more towards our direction, that you're making people like me and him go like, what are you doing that for? So that's really like, that's where my conundrum comes in. Cause like, I want you to like, I'm like, but I think that's so important. Cause like we need to show people from every side that we are capable of coming. And I mean, do we always have to be the bigger person? Like with me and my cleaning lady, like fuck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, and that's so frustrating. Like our whole lives we have to like compromise and meet these fucking assholes in the middle. But like, I think we do you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's our burden. It's our burden. Tan, I wonder how you relate to this conversation, because you allude to, in the episode, you talk a lot about coming from a very sheltered background. Mm -hmm. And you also have a book forthcoming, is that correct? Uh, uh, a book, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'm just wondering, you know, how you've experienced some of these things in your own upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. And what, what this has meant for you on your journey. Uh, I, I agree with uh, a lot of what Karam. Yeah. I'm just... The, the man spread on the panel. I know, you right noticed. I know, I'm like, I'm like. It's breathtaking, I'm not. <laughs> I feel so closed off from the audience here. Yeah, I feel like I'm just chatting to you so guys. So should we all just like, so I wanted to. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Don't shame me for my public solitude. I just feel like I'm this is gonna be a meme. I'm just letting you guys know, like with, I just, I feel like there's like a, it's like a man spreading something. It's like a queer eye man spreading <laughs> this. this you no, uh, like, no. your friends this, this me that. Like, I don't know. What oh really? Is. Yeah. Gay people can't get comfortable, you guys. I will keep. It's like the sofa jumped. Yeah. What's that? I like that one. Anyway, I'm so sorry. No, no, that's okay. 
Um, I agree with a lot of what Karamo says. Um, I, I feel like... I love how you say says. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I always do that because I just love it so much. <laughs> You're so stupid. Um, okay, so yeah, I, uh, I agree with uh, a lot of what Karamo says. Um, I do think that it's really important for me personally. Again, there are people like Jonathan who, who uh, don't fight this fight this way. For me, it's really important to have those conversations. I, uh, as you said, I was raised uh, in a conservative household. Um, we don't watch a lot of Western TV, and so, uh, and so we don't have the luxury of watching Will and Grace and them making it easier for family and friends to get used to that. Our community doesn't see that. So when you have no visual, visual representation, it's like we're in America in the 30s or 40s where it doesn't exist. And so when you meet a gay person, you're like, damn them to hell and let's kill them because uh, we don't know what that means. So I think it is so important when, uh, when people are so ignorant and they don't understand, uh, I think to give them a voice, to, to give them a face, to, to make it so that they truly uh, humanize uh, this is super important. When uh, it, it's not easy being uh, my color in this industry, um, uh, it, it's really not. And these conversations are very hard. I don't talk about a lot of this stuff. If you want to hear the story, listen to, to, to Getting Curious. <laughs> it's the first time I talked about it. I don't talk about it a lot because I don't feel comfortable with that question on the whole. I need it to come from somebody I love and trust and know is gonna do something very responsible with that, that answer because uh, it's, it's so easy to chastise somebody in my community for saying, well, you're not being visible enough, you're not talking about it enough, you're not being out and proud enough. Let me tell you, if you were trying to do this in the 20s, it wouldn't be that easy. Mm -hmm. uh, being the first one is a, a very fucking hard, like very fucking hard. And so when I'm quiet about it, I've heard, the reason why I'm uh, uh, going into this is because I've heard some criticism uh, over the last day or so after our Getting Curious episode, and um, people are saying, you're not loud enough about it, you don't talk about it enough. I'm like, you have no fucking idea the pressure I'm under. Mm -hmm. um, to talk about it isn't easy. And so my answer is this. My answer is, yes, it's easy to just say, we don't need to talk to those people. Uh, they're fucking bigots, they're, they're closed-minded, they don't deserve to have a conversation with somebody like me. Um, me speaking to those people isn't me saying uh, I'm backing down, I'm giving in to what they want. It's me saying I need to be visible. I need them to hear my voice. I need them to see that I'm fucking normal. I need to see that I haven't become a monster just because I'm gay. So when I talk to those people, when I step into those rooms, when I'm having those conversations with people uh, who are fucking close-minded, it's, sorry, I swear a lot, it's because... <laughs> It's because I need them to hear my voice and realize I'm just as worthy as every other person on this stage. Take a bow. Take a bow, man. There you go. Yes. There you go. Before we move on. Jonathan's the only one that can make it. 
Bobby, I think this is also um, a theme that really emerged this season in particular for you, right? Um, episode one really struck me, and I got emotional when I saw you standing outside of the church. Like, there was this invisible force field that you somehow couldn't pass. I, was, I would have burst into flames. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've talked a lot about, I guess, growing up religious and, right. and how that's formed the man you are today. I mean, I, I wonder, now that this season is over and, and you've done two seasons of this show, how has your journey to faith changed at all? Or what do you think about all of that? <sighs> um, <clears throat> my journey to faith, honestly, it, it hasn't changed. Um, I definitely, I don't instantly close off people now that are religious. Um, for years, I carried so much resentment and, and frankly hate towards a religious community for completely turning their backs on me. You know, I grew up very religious. There was not a day I did not go to church. I went to a Christian school. I got up at 5 a.m. every morning to go to church to pray before school, carried my Bible to school. Um, everything about my life was religion. And the day I came out, everything was taken away. Um, everyone who had said they loved me no longer did, you know. Or it was, as Jonathan and I like to talk about, love the sinner but hate the sin. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I, I love you, but you're burning in hell, you heathen pedophile. You know, that's what you would hear. And so my whole life I just heard hate after hate after hate about anyone who was not heterosexual. And I remember just begging and praying God for God not to make me gay, and that just didn't happen. And at 15, I ended up running away from home because I, um, it was, it was kind of to the point where it was come out or, or die um, because I couldn't wear a mask anymore. Um, I couldn't live one more day of my life with not, without one person on the planet knowing me for who I was. Um, and that's, I think, why the suicide rate is so high in our community is because you are the loneliest person in the world. And so I left at 15, so I could come out. I moved, you know, to the big city of Springfield, Missouri. Um, <laughs> you might laugh, but that's a big city. It is. <laughs> <laughs> laugh all you want, but that's major. Um, Isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right across the river from you. It is. Um, Oh, totally off of thought. Oh, but, but you moved to the big city. Moved to the big city yep. just to get away, just so I could be who I was because I had to be me. And it's, it's amazing that I can now get up on stage and be me and be unapologetically me. But going back to that episode, um, I actually told production I refused to do it. Um, one of the very first things I said to Netflix and ITV when I got cast was, I'll do anything, anything you want, I'll ride a pony, I'll juggle fire, but don't ever ask me to go into a church. And uh, I'm like, that is, that is where I draw the line. I know where I have to draw the line for my own mental health, and that was my line. Mm. And of course, as Cromo said earlier, um, that was actually the very last episode that we filmed. Um, it was a surprise episode. The person who was supposed to be in that episode had a major, um, major health problem and could not film. And our production crew had to, and then this is a testament. You didn't know this? You didn't know this? 
<laughs> I'm, no, I'm actually not surprised you didn't know that. Now, about what yeah. was going on, I get it now, too. You were usually gone on Mondays filming Game of Thrones, so he would miss a lot of production movies. No, um, <laughs> um, so our Fourth piece of shade. <laughs> <laughs> One more uh, to go. Our amazing executive producers frantically found somebody else to cast, and, you know, I, this is weird, thank God, um, it was Tammy. Um, but my design crew came to me because a little secret, my design crew does go out and take measurements and stuff. I need to know a little bit about the space pre-time. <laughs> there's, there's no way I can do that all like Tuesday. Um, <laughs> so my, my um, design director, he knows me very, very well. He knows how I feel about religion. He grew up in the same time space that I did. He comes back to me and he's like, it's church. And so I went to the exec producers, and I was like, so I hear it's, it's a church. And they're like, no, 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 it's a community center. And I'm like, bitch, don't lie to me. <laughs> I'm like, I grew up in a church. I know what the rec center is next to the church. It's still the church. <laughs> um, and I, I had a come to Jesus moment with them, no pun intended. And I was like, this is not something I'm going to do. I told you from day one, don't put me in this position. If you literally want to see me just break down and maybe never be able to put myself back together, don't do this to me. And after multiple talks with the creator of our show, and it was actually one talk in particular that I had with the director of marketing for Scout Productions, which is the original production company of Queer Eye. Um, he called me and he said to me, he's like, I know that you're probably thinking, oh, I'm not going to go in and going to help an organization or a group of people that you feel does nothing but spread hate. And again, I'm not lumping every Christian into spreading hate. That's, that's not what I'm doing. But from my experience, the, the pain that I still have on a daily basis when you're a gay person, when you've been taught your whole life to hate gay people, so thus you hate yourself. And that's what all these little kids are going through every single day. They're hating themselves and they're killing themselves because that's what their God is telling them to do. He said, don't do it for the church. Don't do it for Tammy. Do it for all the little Bobbies that are still sitting in those churches. And all the little Joels and the Karamos and the Tans and the Jonathans and the Antonies that are still sitting there with hate being taught to them in hopes that somebody in their church will see this. And one of the most amazing DMs I've ever gotten was from a pastor. And he messaged me and he said, my entire career I was taught that gays are wrong, they're an abomination to God, you're going to hell. Um, and I, in turn, have taught that in my church, not every Sunday, but if that comes up, gays are wrong, they're going to hell. He's like, hearing you talk about how every day of your fucking life you begged God to not make you gay. You pleaded. All you wanted was to think a girl was hot, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> Hearing you say that made me realize that being gay is not a choice, that you are born that way. He's like, I will never again preach in my church that being gay is wrong. There you go, there you go. That was really good. 
never seen you curtsy like So that, that is why we do what we do. You know, was that, I literally, Karamo knows this, there were nights I would come home and I would literally come down to his part and I would curl up next to him and I would cry that week. Because it was hard. You know, there were so many scenes. That, that scene that um, I had sitting down with Tammy, that probably went on for, I mean, you were outside with Miles on the porch for a while. Yeah. I would say that scene went on for 30 minutes in real life. Mm -hmm. And it went deep. And it was, it was hard. Yeah, Tammy. You know, and... <laughs> I actually... She knows, um, she knows all. There, there, it, there was... Um, there was a, a family in particular that I grew up with that was very close. Um, their son was my best friend, who once I came out, I, I've never actually heard from him again. And his parents, who turned their back on me as well, have since reconciled, and they're a nice part of my life. But I never really realized how much pain and hurt is still there and how much animosity until I was literally in Whole Foods two days ago shopping. And I got a text from my best friend's mom, and it said, I watched the first episode, dot, dot, dot. And I just broke down and started crying at Whole Foods. My husband comes back over with yogurt, and he's like, what? <laughs> what? But like, what do you mean, like, what? F her, right? Like, I watched it, dot, 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 or like, we like her? Like, what? I've got confused. I'm waiting for I, no. like, What's going on? I'm getting there. Okay. But I instantly, like, I didn't even know what she was going to say, but it just brought up so much of that pain yeah. of, and I just realized, I'm like, she knows I was yeah, talking I feel about like she's, her. I feel like she's like an asshole. I'm feeling like, no, 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 no. I'm, feeling like, I'm feeling like, no. And, but I'm standing there in Whole Foods, and I, I'm so just paralyzed by this text, I couldn't even open it. I had to go out and sit in the car. Oh, it was not that there was more under Yes, there yeah. was more oh. under oh. Well, that changes things. In my text, I could only see the first line, and I was like, I, I do not know what she's about to say. And Punctuation, just, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> you got to get this story going, girl. Da, 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 then da, da, what da, da, happened? Da, da, da. And then what happened? And then what happened? But I got out, and she basically, she realized it was about her, and she poured her heart out, and she was like, I'm so sorry oh. that we... <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry that we took a part in causing that hate. Oh, yes. And... She, she actually told me a story. She's like, because I ended up calling her. She's, um, they, you know, became born again, uh, I think, like, when I was in middle school. So before that, they were partiers. And when they devoted their life to God, she's like, you know, I gave my, just like I said to ITV, I will do anything by going to church. She's like, God, I will do anything for you. Just don't ever make me work with homosexuals. I will not do that. What a I thing. cannot. I cannot wrap my head around that, right? What and she's thing. like, "I'll like, be damned that? if God didn't make somebody that's basically my son gay to teach me a lesson." <laughs> it's like, "There's your sign." <laughs> um, yeah. I, what is this? Hold on. Hold on. What is this? Like, hold on. Hold on. I'm hold sick on, of this shit. Hold on. Shit. Before we go to this, I want to. <laughs> I just want to say something because what I love about what you all got to experience is that each one of us exposed, cry a lot. Yeah. We, <laughs> cry a lot. But we're exposing Truth. our pain and our trauma. We're exposing our pain and our trauma because it's important. Because what I need for all of you to understand, what happened? I just, I'm, He's so distracted. I know, you have a microphone. You want a mic? He wants this. I freak out. I love him. I feel like a reporter, and I just. Hold on, hold on. I want to make this point. Hold on, I want to make this point. I want to make this point. I want to make this point. Because this is something I really need you all to hear, is that we're in a space where a lot of us are in a very traumatic time. And we have a lot of traumatic things that are happening in our lives that are cutting us deep.
And the thing is, I want you to relate it to an actual physical cut. If you gashed yourself right here on your arm, you would not ignore it. You would pay attention to it, and you would try to use every tool you had at your resources to heal it. And that's what you're seeing up here. By us talking about our trauma and talking about our pain, it's only making us stronger. So once you leave here today, if there's one thing you take from the fun we're having and from the conversations we're having about this, is that use our trauma as a vehicle for you to go home and explore your own and say, you know what, I can actually heal myself by acknowledging it and tending to it. Stop ignoring the yeah. pain that you all have because it's killing you. I, I, I literally... <laughs> I mean... This fast is teeny. That's a lie, it's, but go ahead. It's teeny. Um, I, I don't know if y'all have ever had like a really nasty ass, like just like a wound, like a wound, honey. Yeah. But like I had one this one time and like like a nasty one and I was like, like when it happened, I was like, like afterwards, I was like, when you have like a cut, you'll be like, I'm gonna like go everywhere with like some hydrogen peroxide, honey. I'm gonna have like four band-aids, a backup thing. I'm gonna have disinfectant. It's true. It's like on the forefront of your mind. It's like all you can think about. So that is true, but our emotional pain, we be pushing that away Exactly, do not push it away anymore. But when anymore. it's a wound, it's like, I'm like, oh my God, I can't get infected. Relate it. I gotta dry it off. It's a thing. See? Go ahead. Too yeah. extra. That works. That's all I see. That was really, that clicked for me. That was like a Listen, we're trying to drop some nuggets on y'all. Y'all still with us? <laughs> okay, I'm just making sure. Speaking of still with us, we have time for just one more question before we move to the audience Q&A. Okay. Ooh. And I would like to hear from each of you in a quick sound bite, because we're running out of time. What the hero who most impacted you is from the show? Skylar. Sorry. Did you want it in any order? <laughs> Should I pretend like I don't have a favorite? Skylar. Um, uh, because I learned so much from Skylar. I learned a lot from everyone, but Skylar, I just think, was so impactful. Not just on me. I think that the, the world who's watching Queer Eye is going to learn so much from Skylar. So, yeah, for me, Skylar. For me, it would be Corey in season one, because this was a white Trump supporter who never exposed himself to black people, to gay people, who is part of a community that is completely turned off from watching a show with queer in the title. And because of the experience he had with us, he texts me constantly saying, I tell my friends, if they don't support the LGBT community, that we can't be friends. And he is now an advocate. Can I add one more thing to that? <clears throat> We're terrible at sound bites. Yeah, we are. Yeah. I've gathered. I'm amazing at a sound bite. <laughs> Let me see you try and do this. Sound bite. But yours was a sound bite. Mine was too. That was good. Yours was a Let's keep essay. talking about Go. <laughs> I don't pick favorites. Oh. Oh. Sound bite! Do you want do this it, mic it, to drop? Do it, do it, do it. He has to do it. He has to do it. He has to do it. No, it's gonna, gonna hurt your ears. <laughs> okay. Like it's like one of those ideas. It's like a good idea until it wasn't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think the episode that affected me the most was Neil, and I don't actually think I've even talked about this. Um, the effect that self-care has on your mental health. Neil was in a very dark place in his life. He was very depressed. He had lost the passion and the zeal for anything in his life. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been there. I've had those mental health issues where you just get to the point where you don't care anymore. And you're not passionate about anything. So to be able to show him and to show the world that just a little bit of self-care and a little bit of self-love and a little bit of encouragement from people who love you can completely change your life. I mean, that man has texted me tile samples now. He's redoing his house. He's in such a happier place because he was just shown a little love 
that's, I think, what affected me the most. Did y'all see him hanging out with Joe Galois? That was cute. They Two did. of our heroes, Joe Galois, the comedian, and Neil, are like best friends now, hanging out. <laughs> well, they took one selfie. Yeah, and also I think they... And they yeah. Let me tell you something. If Keep I took real. a selfie with Beyonce tomorrow, we're best friends. <laughs> okay? <laughs> a selfie is a commitment. Anthony, what about you? Fun fact, Neil's actually a comedian and super talented. Um, yeah. For me... And what he was talking about was they did a comedy show together. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> My bad, I couldn't help it. <laughs> Neil, Neil definitely left um, a mark, but I think... I don't know, I got Tammy on my mind, I guess. Um, I wish it was documented, the reaction that I had to Tammy, unfortunately. That was a joke, because I snot cried at the end. Uh, <laughs> like, no one's getting it. Uh, but with, uh, with, with Tammy, just having somebody who was so... Uh, she shared about being so set in her ways, uh, such a, a conservative Baptist, and to have like a complete shift in perspective um, at, at her age, I just thought was... It's like, it's exemplary, and I just want to, I, I try to like take that into every facet of my life. I think she's like such a symbol for where I want the show to go to, hopefully in future seasons. Mm. Um, and she's just like, she's the essence of unconditional love, and we got to spend a week with her. How fucking Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, now it's your turn. I've done enough talking. I'm gonna have, I have a couple of questions for each of you from the audience. Our first one is for Anthony, and it's from Nikki. Nikki, where are you? Hello. <laughs> Anthony, can't Nikki see. loves pasta, but the only pasta dish she knows how to cook is spaghetti. What's a pasta dish that looks impressive but is secretly really easy to make? So. That's I a love really that good question. question. It is. So spaghetti is a type. Oh, there we go. Now we can see you. Hi, beautiful people. There are so many more of you than we Where's thought. Nikki? <laughs> Where's Nikki? Hi, Nikki. Hi, Nikki. So you make pastas and you just boil pasta and it's, that's it? <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's impressive. No cacio e pepe. Do we do cacio e pepe? Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, cacio e pepe. Let's do cacio e pepe. Also going to be featured in my new cookbook. Did you put your damn book on here? What? Such a bitch. Spaghetti. Shut up. You shut up. So you can try something different. There's bucatini, which is actually like a wider spaghetti that has a really beautiful bite to it Ooh. that lends well, if you're using the dry variety, lends wow. well to like a really fatty sauce. Cacho pepe is like a rather, I think, underrated and simplistic yet kind of complicated dish to make. Wow, you got a slow Love clap. Love a slow that. clap. <laughs> it's all about like using pasta water to flavor your sauce, but also to add as a thickener and melting in the cheese and pepper. Literally three or four ingredients. No, that's Pecorino, a big deal. pepper, pasta yeah. water, and bucatini. And don't get rid of the pasta sauce water. That's like such a big deal. Pasta water is very important. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. starchy. Don't that's store I mean. it, but like don't drain your <laughs> pasta and lose all the water. It's, yeah, yeah. Just keep Thank it. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. That's really important for pasta. Yes. Okay. On, so, on chef's Jonathan, this one is throwing for some peas. Don Sorry. Are we ready? Yeah. yeah. Jonathan, Julie just dialed in. Julie. Julie is a new mom, and she's struggling to get her self-confidence back. Oh my God, my hair is thinning, she says. Do you have any tips for her? Um, well, I think that um, hair loss for anyone is 
really difficult, and I think that for men it's a lot more often talked about. A lot of women deal with it. Um, <laughs> no, but a lot of women deal with it, and I think that, you know, that my heart like breaks, for, especially for women, because we don't talk about it that much, and then people that do deal with it aren't really that forthcoming about it, because like, in a society that doesn't allow women to like, have an issue with beauty and be open about it and like give a real story. It's like, it's really, really difficult. <clears throat> For me also, another gender thing that's not fair is like, we have Propecia, um, which I've been taking since like, I was 19, like it was running away from me, honey. It's, <clears throat> it's that pill that like helps you like stave off hair loss. Um, so I would say like, there's a lot of topicals that, um, that are effective. Um, the thing with topicals are is that you have to keep using them. <laughs> Once you stop using them, it stops working, so you gotta stay on it. Also, there's this new pill called, like, it's, it's like Viviscal, or no, that's a, that's a vitamin. It's called, like, it's something for something. But if you Google it, do like, it's like, a, and it's a prescription pill. Does someone know what it is? It's like a prescription? Yes! <laughs> Did you yes. Are you the same person yeah, that's what I do. My mom's been taking Hello. it. My mom's been taking it since I was little. Really? Because she's had thinning hair. Yeah, because it helps with like hormone stuff and it doesn't. So, but I have this girlfriend who was losing her hair and she, but this is the thing about spirit She's like a prescription thing. And I think that like, Kim Kardashian got in trouble for like endorsing like a thing and I don't know if you're supposed to. But my client did tell me that, well, she told me that she got on and then like six months later she had all these like baby so, hairs. And like, well, she had, like, I feel like I've seen it like kind of work, but like, I don't know, like you can talk to your doctor. Um, <laughs> and then like, and then, but this, but yeah, there's a lot of like topicals that are great. And then also but, I think that, but the, the other thing is this, and that's everything I just addressed is like topical and beauty speaking. This is the other thing. There's an amazing book called um, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And she's kind of like preachy in it. And there's some things when she talks about it, I'm kind of like, eh, it almost sounds like you're saying that like, I brought this on myself, like the way that you're <laughs> saying this. Um, which I don't appreciate, Louise, but um, it's a tonal thing, and that's not what she's trying to say, but the point of her book is kind of major, and, and there's all these affirmations that you can do for, like, unwanted health things, and there is one for losing hair, and it's something really beautiful to the effect of, like, because if you are dealing with hair loss in this, like, more Eastern philosophy, it's dealing with, like, too much anxiety about future and past, so it makes you too tense. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it makes you too tense, and so it can create like tension in the scalp, so your hair like starts to fall off, or start, can be like started to choke off. This is like a really long answer, I'm so sorry you guys. Um, but basically there was like a little meditation that she offered, and it was basically like, I trust the universe to provide me what I need. So to her I would say like, try all the topical stuff, but also realize that you're a beautiful soul inside and out. Like, <laughs> honey, if that hair isn't growing, Shave that shit off. Let's focus on face, honey. Let's do a color correcting primer. Let's maybe put a little baby lash. Let's just let's like judge that face. Like we don't who yes. cares about hair anyway. I hope that answers exactly. it. Exactly. Sorry, it took 20 minutes to get Karamo. Out. <laughs> Kimberly wants to know how many bomber jackets do you own? <laughs> All of them. Kimberly is a shady queen. <laughs> All, All of them, them in the world! Calculator. Like I know. the most like... of bomber jackets <laughs> by far. Um, she had a lot of shoes. Y'all don't want like a self-help question? See, this is the problem. Y'all confused with the title culture, okay? Let me tell you, I'm the life coach on this bitch, okay? I fixed the insides. Do you want a different question? He needs no, 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 it's okay, no, I'm joking. But we want to go, how many? No, I have at least uh, 200. Okay. That's more than I thought. I've yeah. never seen you re-wear one. I guess never. I have two. No. The one with the leopard printed sleeves and the gold. He's wore that one twice, that's it. Oh. Yeah. Are you not gonna re-wear? You love a bit of leopard. You like a pop-up like Reese, like a <laughs> pop-up store, honey, like a little like gorgeous, like come get like a gorgeous like coral yeah. brown jacket, honey. Yeah. But, like of all the ones that you've worn, you know? Like, yeah. a, like a Princess Diana sort of moment, except for you're very much alive. I'm down. Very much alive. <laughs> very much. And I really, 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 obviously. like Diana. <laughs> no, I, I love, love her so much. I like to remember that. Bobby, 
I'm asking you this question, it's for anyone. I'm gonna ask just you though, because I, re I read a tweet that said that Bobby has the hardest job, or he has to do the most physical work. So if, if you had to switch jobs with another cast member, who would you pick and why? Ooh, I like that. That was from Lauren, we, we, You know what? We've actually already talked about this. So I think I'll let him address, me, I'll, no, I'll let him address the <laughs> hardest working part, but we already know who would, what job we'd take. Um, who would you take? If you had a choice though, Bobby, whose would you take? Anthony. Anthony's. Anthony's. Because I like to cook. Woo! Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. You're very plant-based friendly. I eat vegan at home as much as possible. Yes! <laughs> um, when traveling... Whoa, he perked up! <laughs> <laughs> when, when traveling, it's a little harder, especially I'm um, living in Atlanta for five months. It was quite hard. There's so much good fried chicken. Um, <laughs> You pissed him off now. I know. He was. He, but, <laughs> oh shit! But he's at, over you. At, at home, though. at home we cook. I would say 99% vegan. Somebody tried to be discreet. <laughs> Somebody tried to be discreet. Thank you. Um, and in regards to the hardest worker thing, though. my job might take the longest, and I might have to lift the hardest. But it's not the hardest job. I actually always say Karamo has the hardest job because every week he has to. Aww. He, he, I know I'm gonna remodel something. You know, Jonathan knows he's gonna cut something. Tan's gonna pick out some clothes to make them feel better. Anthony's gonna cook. Every week, Karamo has to literally create and design what he's going to do for a completely different person. So, no, I'm not the hardest. We all have. I don't have the hardest job. It just takes the longest. <laughs> I really love this question. With the current political climate, would you ever make over or help an immigrant family that's struggling to make it here in America? Oh in God, yes. Well, of course, but could you imagine if our answer was simply no? No. But yes, of course. No, but there's an issue because like in this political climate, if we help an undocumented family in the United States of America, like Jeff Sessions and the Department of Justice is knocking at the door that you just renovated and taking it away and separating the entire family. So would I like to? Yes, but are we gonna have to do witness protection program and make sure that we don't talk about like what state it's in or like, I mean, honestly, like I wanted, yeah. like I want to help them, but like, I, and we should, and but, like we just get do it on the download, but not even for our like for them. I just want like I don't it. This is like three months ago. It was like oh like this is getting scary. Like this is kind of like this is like Handmaid's but Tale. But like yeah. no, but you guys like they're like this is not normal, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like there is like camps of like children that aren't allowed to be spoken to like by the adults that are keeping them there. Mm -hmm. It's really insane. Um, so it's, it is such a big, it's almost like, I just can't even like really joke about it or like would yeah. we or like whatever because it's such a big, like I, it's, mm -hmm. it's like literally an atrocity like happening under our nose and we're like in here having a panel about our show, which I think is great but also like, holy shit, mm -hmm. you know? It's, so that was a Debbie Downer but that nope. is not <laughs> That's totally valid. Um, is there a team inside joke or pre-show ritual that you Fab Five have? Oh. <laughs> there we have loads of inside well, pre-show ritual is like the Starbucks pickup run, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Loads or of like inside if I jokes. freak out for like fast food. Like that does happen. If it's like, well, it, um, if it's, if it's uh -huh. McDonald's or Taco Bell, it's just Do like, Taco Bell because you do that order so well. Yeah. Is that a satin bomber? Thank you. <laughs> oh, that is cute. Thank you. Is that so good? Love Pay it. attention. 
Wait, wait, no, no, go on, run off your Taco Bell order because it's impressive, it's so well, good. And then um, you had said something about, um, but... We'll mo- okay, we'll move, on. We'll move, on. We'll move on. on, we'll move on, we'll move on, we'll move on. You know anyone who's spending $28 on Taco Bell with no drinks on themselves? Yeah. Move on, let's move on, let's move like, on. Like, this is like let's an OA No, no, we're, we're moving on, we're moving on. We've only got a couple more like, minutes. Am I, am I, am okay. like, hello? Hey. It's like triggering, have, um, triggered, hey. triggered. We have five hey. minutes left, so I think okay. this one is, is really, really great for anyone who wants to answer it, or if each of you want to answer it, but this is the perfect closing note. When in your life did you need the Fab Five? <laughs> I mean, one minute, each, one minute one minute each. Let's go with one Anthony and go each. down. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> I think probably in my early 20s, I was in university studying psychology. Uh, I fell in love with someone, with, uh, with a guy who was straight. What's so fucking funny? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I actually just, it just dawned on me that I was in love with my best friend maybe like six months ago. Oh. And he was like, oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> you were in London working at Zara you know, yeah. at a different time. Um, and I, I didn't really realize it at the time. And it's something that I only really kind of like came to kind of appreciate and, 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 and understand now. Um, my early 20s, I was an international disaster. Um, <laughs> I didn't know myself, and I was just listening to music that would try to like appease the existential angst. Um, but I went through it, and I'm here today, so I'm fine. But you guys would have been getting my early 20s. And I'll also say, um, and I've said it before, that um, I really wonder how I would have developed if I was a five-year-old with someone like Jonathan in my life, um, just in terms of sexual identity and how I sort of walked and talked and did everything. Um, I probably would have ended up a little different, but that's all. Yeah. You probably would have been like crying about the fact that Michelle Kwan was here tonight instead of... Um, did, wait, what did you say? Michelle Kwan's so here? She took, she rode with us. Wait, somewhere. where are you? She's in the back. Is she in the back? I bet she goes, hey, Michelle! Oh my God. Michelle Kwan! Wait, where, where are you? Michelle Kwan! Oh my god! Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my god! That's why you've been so extra! Oh my god! Get out of here, let him Michelle, concentrate! Michelle, you really don't realize he has just been performing for you all night. I on, honestly, at one point. <laughs> He, he just did the no, no, best triple sock album. Obviously, I was in late, but partway through, I was like, fucking hell, he is on it tonight. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Michelle, you know I love you, and girl, I respect you, but I just realized she's sitting next to my new fiance. Can I be, y'all give it up for my fiance? Uh, yeah. Hi, fiance! Hey, fiance! That's my baby daddy. <laughs> we get married. We get married. Before we, before we leave the stage, we were so else? good at that one minute yeah. thing. You see how we did that? Sorry. I, 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 don't know. I think, sorry. I think we're ending on such a happy <laughs> note. I think going into when we sorry. needed queer, I could go dark again. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, um, uh, I don't know. I'm like, I, did you answer when you were? I know, because mine's got to go dark it's and like we're I'm, so happy. I'm I met Michelle Kwan today. Like, that. it's over. You guys Let's are here. Like, I don't even know where I am Let's keep it up. No more crying. I honestly need us right now. I'm clearly struggling. We'll, we'll end it like, there's, uh, there's always a time when people
can do yeah. with a Fab Five moment. It's not just a big time in their life. It's just an everyday to just to remind yep. yourselves that you should love yourself, that you should be who you want to be, be proud of who you are, and not to be tacky, but it really does get better. Like, it gets better and better and better. Yep. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much. All right. Yeah. No, we should, on Queer Eye, I know you're about to end it. We don't end it with ourselves, we end it with them. So I think we should take what Tan just said. Can you all repeat after me? Oh. <laughs> Full call and repeat, girl, go. Yeah, call and repeat. I want everyone here to say, I am worthy. I am worthy. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. And I am love. And I am love. Good job. Thank you. Good job. Good job. Thanks for listening. 92Y Talks is supported by a generous endowment established by Daphne Reconati Kaplan and Thomas S. Kaplan. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and find more great conversations at 92yondemand.org. <laughs>